This is the intersection of faith and the culture. Thanks so much for joining us today on Wall Builders Live. You can also visit our website, wallbuilderslive.com. Wallbuilderslive.com, that's our radio site. We also have wallbuilders.com. That's our main site where you can go to sign up for all kinds of programs, get all kinds of great material. We'll be talking later in the program about the American Journey Summer Institute, which is where David and Tim are right now having an incredible time, but there's another chance to go uh, later in July if you would like to be a part of that and you're 18 to 25 years old. I'm Rick Green. I'm a former Texas legislator and America's Constitution coach. Thrilled to host this program with David and Tim Barton. You can learn more about all three of us at wallbuilderslive.com. David is, of course, our founder here at Wall Builders. He's America's premier historian, author of many books and incredible videos, all that material available at wallbuilders.com. Tim Barton, national speaker and pastor and president of Wall Builders, also author of many books and great videos. And again, you can learn more at wallbuilderslive.com. And I would encourage you, book these guys to come in and speak at your church or your community or even your corporate event to educate people on founding principles, educate them on the principles of liberty that are desperately needed in our culture right now. And, and, and if we don't restore those principles of liberty, we're going to lose the nation. The good news is, and it is Good News Friday, but the good news is that the principles still work. Every time they're tried, as Bob McEwen says, we've got to put them back in place. And that's why on Fridays we bring you all this good news so that you realize the system does work if we work the system, if we're engaged, if we do our part as Caesar. That's right, you are Caesar in this particular nation. Under our Constitution, we the people are ultimately in charge. So if you're going to render unto Caesar what is Caesar's and unto God what is God's, as Jesus said for us to do, you got to know how to play Caesar well. How do you become a biblical citizen and influence the culture around you? That's what we teach here at Wallbuilders. So today we're going to be bringing you a lot of good news stories that you probably haven't heard about, uh, but that we try to uh, make sure that we highlight so that you realize the system works. And David and Tim scour out there to find this good news. Actually, it comes into them. Most of the media, though, doesn't cover these things, but we want to bring them to you for sure. All right, David and Tim, let's dive into that good news. David Barton with our first piece of good news for this Friday. Well, I've got a double piece of good news to start, but I'm going to call it one piece of good news because both of these involve the U.S. Supreme Court. Recently, the U.S. Supreme Court handed down two decisions that kind of went without notice in most of the public reporting. I mean, this wasn't a big deal for a lot of people the way that the Dobbs decision was on abortion or something else. But from my viewpoint, this is a super big couple of decisions because of what it does to try to bring government back into constitutional boundaries. Both of these were decisions that told the government what it was doing was wrong and you need to get back inside the fence and stay inside the constitutional fence. So for that reason, I see these as really, really big decisions. One deals with um, what happens with civil asset forfeiture. I was talking to some, some state reps in Texas, and they're pointing out that, that a lot of police departments now, up to 80% of their funding comes because they're taking property from people. Uh, they've got, oh, you're a drug owner. Okay, we're taking all five of your cars. We're taking your house. We're taking your bank accounts. And they use that to fund their police department. So they're going out and looking for things to take from bad guys, whether they've been proven to be bad guys or not. And so Texas is trying to do some, some of this civil asset uh, reform stuff, seizure of civil assets. And so it's going in a lot of areas, but the Supreme Court did it with the IRS. And the IRS actually... Um, there was a 94-year-old woman that owed $15,000 in back taxes, wasn't able to pay. So they went out and seized a piece of her property that was worth $40,000. They took that property that retired the debt of $15,000, 
and they just kept the other 25,000 because they seized the property. So it's now their property. And so here, here we got government making money by seizing private property from citizens. And the U.S. Supreme Court said absolutely cannot do that. That is a violation of the takings clause, the Fifth Amendment. Government can't take that property without due process. And simply the IRS saying that we need her to pay the fine and we're going to take whatever it takes to do that. And we'll keep the difference. You can't do that. So this is a really good decision for property rights, for individual rights of citizens, their property against government seizure. Uh, it's Again, it wasn't a heralded decision, but it's a great decision for the Supreme Court to say, no, you, you don't have, you can't ride roughshod over citizens just because you, you want some of their money. The second decision came out the same week, and it deals with what's called the wetlands. This was a big deal back under Clinton. I don't know when this came in. But it gave the Environmental Protection Agency the right to go in and seize private property and regulate private property if they called it a wetlands. And because there were certain, I don't know, fish, animals, snakes, snails, whatever it was that they wanted to protect in the wetlands, they gave the federal government all this authority under the Environmental Protection Agency for endangered species. And so they have gone into even desert areas and declared it to be a wetlands so they can get control over that. Well, they were doing this to a lot of private property owners where they wanted control over their property, calling it wetlands. And yeah, sometimes when it rains, there's a puddle that stands there. And that doesn't mean it's a wetland because a puddle was there one time or because there was a flood and, and water stayed there for a month after the flood was gone. That doesn't mean it's a wetlands. And so the U.S. Supreme Court said, no, no, you don't have a wetlands unless it's 100 percent underwater all the time. That's a wetlands. Not the fact that it may be even three months a year. That's not a wetlands. And so this gives, I can't tell you how many millions of acres comes back into private hands, private control, and out of the EPA's control that the, the Supreme Court said, you can't just create regulations and interpret them and give your own definitions, which is kind of nice anyway. We're in a generation where everybody gets to, to identify what they want to be and define themselves the way they want to be. And Federal government's doing the same thing, except the U.S. Supreme Court said, no, you can't make a definition. You have to use a definition. If you're not going to make the right one, we'll just tell you, if it's not underwater all the time, it's not a wetland. And that's really good news for private property. It's very good news. And, and you know, hats off to uh, Pacific Legal Foundation. That's something like a third win this session. Uh, they, they, they've been really fighting these cases. And I'm a little biased because we got a Patriot Academy grad working for them that happens to be my nephew as well. So I'm just saying, they, you know, congrats out there, Kyle. Congrats to Pacific Legal. You guys are doing a great job. I actually got to tell you guys, Scalia's opinion, I don't usually disagree with Scalia on anything, but he actually said in the opinion that, you know, over the years that these wetland acts had actually done a lot of good. I'm sorry, I don't agree. Federal government should have never been involved in any of this. Leave it to the states. They could have cleaned it up on their own. The political will was there. They would have got it done. Get out of our business feds and let the states handle this. But Alito said you know, some things in the opinion that I actually disagree. I usually agree with Alito. And I just don't like pandering like that. Okay, uh, next piece of good news, Tim. Go ahead, man. All right, guys. Well, this one is going back to the Supreme Court. And uh, this is something from just uh, last month. Uh, when, when Title 42 was uh, finally removed, and, and this was something that back during COVID, Title 42 was put in place. President Trump did it. And it was used to stem the flow of immigration, illegal immigration coming across the southern border. And it was done under the name of COVID, where we said, hey, it's COVID. You guys can't come. So sorry, right? If, you, if you're if you not doing it the legal process, 
if you're not coming seeking asylum or green card or right whatever it is in in this legal spectrum if you're not doing that then it's not really going to work for you to come well this was something that president biden also used it for a couple of years and then it was set to expire and there were republicans who took this to the supreme court saying wait a second biden can't get rid of this it's too important for immigration control and one of the great things that came out from the Supreme Court in this. Uh, Neil Gorsuch, one of the newer justices on the Supreme Court, and, and, and Gorsuch, in, in part of the decision, he was explaining that Title 42 never should have been utilized in the first place. And so they, they can't sue to keep it here. Uh, it, it was something that was wrong from the very beginning. And part of his explanation of why it was wrong, he said it's the greatest intrusion on civil liberties in peacetime history. It's the concentration of power in the hands of so few may be efficient and sometimes popular, but it does not tend toward sound government. However wise one person or advisors may be, that is no substitute for the wisdom of the whole of the American people that can be tapped in the legislative process. On and on his decision goes, but what he was very clear about is we had a, an overreach of power that is totally unconstitutional that happened during covid now, looking at Title 42 being removed, why that is sad is because of what it was doing. It was helping stem the tide of illegal immigration coming in. And of course, under uh, President Biden, more than 6 million illegal immigrants have come into the nation. Uh, it, it is an absolute invasion at the southern border. Uh, just the sheer volume, the amount of numbers, the fact that we're not enforcing the laws that are already on the books. And, and they were using Title 42 to help maybe uphold some level of standard. What is great news about this, disregard the southern border for a moment, what is great news about this is you have the Supreme Court acknowledging what happened during COVID when you had governors, when you, when you had mayors who became the dictators of their own states, of their own towns, of their own areas, that this was an absolute abuse of power, something that many of us were saying from the very beginning, this is an abuse of power. It never should have been going on. They don't have the power and authority. And the governors wouldn't call the legislatures back into session. And of course, the legislature are the ones who are supposed to make the laws. And even though there might be emergency powers, the emergency powers that a government holds, they hold the power until the legislature is able to reconvene. And once the legislature reconvenes, then the power shifts back to the representatives who are the ones most directly responsible to their constituents and to the people of the state. It's just great that you finally have something coming from the Supreme Court that is revealing the standard that mo most of us, many of us knew from the very beginning. Now it is something that's actually a Supreme Court decision. So even though there's still a mess at the southern border, there's lots of problems that need to be resolved it's at least great that there's now something we can point to if, God forbid, there's some other moment when governors or mayors and, and leaders in our states and our communities are going to try to usurp power, are going to try to be their own the, the dictators of their own kingdom, we now can have some legal standing to point to and say, guys, you can't do this, right? The Supreme Court decision acknowledged this was an abuse of power, never should have happened, never should have stood. It's just great to finally have that coming from the highest judicial court in the land, the U.S. Supreme Court, long overdue. We should have heard this long ago, but it was great to see this coming down in a decision coming from Justice Gorsuch. I feel like we should be calling this uh, Good News Supreme Court instead of Good News Friday. Good stuff, guys. Let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. You're listening to Wall Builders. Hey, 
Hey guys, we want to let you know about a new resource we have at Wall Builders called The American Story. For so many years, people have asked us to do a history book to help tell more of the story that's just not known or not told today. And we would say very providentially, in the midst of all of the new attacks coming out against America, whether it be from things like the 1619 Project that say America is evil and everything in America was built off slavery, which is certainly not true, or things like even the Black Lives Matter movement, the organization itself, not, not the statement Black Lives Matter, but the organization that says we're against everything that America was built on and this is part of the Marxist ideology. There's so many things attacking America. Well, is America worth defending? What is a true story of America? We actually have written and told that story, starting with Christopher Columbus, going roughly through Abraham Lincoln. We tell the story of America, not as the story of a perfect nation or a perfect people, but the story of how God used these imperfect people and did great things through this nation. It's a story you want to check out. Wallbuilders.com, The American Story. Welcome back to Wall Builders. It's Good News Supreme Court. I mean, it's Good News Friday. I mean, it's a lot of good news from the Supreme Court on Friday. I'll get it straight at some point. Uh, David, are we still at the Supreme Court or where's our good news going now? Well, we're still with the federal courts, not the Supreme Court, but the federal courts. And this one deals with recently, in the last few weeks, we kind of had graduation season across the United States. So high school graduates, college graduates, they've been getting out in the last few weeks and getting their diplomas, et cetera. And there is a incident in Mississippi that went to a federal court, and it dealt with the fact that school in Mississippi, schools in Mississippi said, no, you, you have to dress according to your biological gender. So that's the that's part of the, the school code and part of what they've got there and part of what's been passed. And there was a graduating senior in one of the schools that says, well, I may be a biological male, but I want to be a woman, so I'm going to wear a dress and high heels to graduation. And the high school said, no, you're not. There is a law on this, and you dress according to your biological gender and not according to your mental gender. And so took it to federal court, and in the federal court, the federal judge upheld the law. said, no, this is, this is the law, and you can't just have individual expression because you don't like the law and because you want to do something different. Now, uh, all of that to say, here, here's what really struck me out of this. And when I see this kind of stuff, and I, I'm going to try to be really careful with what I say here because I don't want this to be taken out of context. But when I see confused young people, one of the first things I think about is, did their parents not make, make clear right and wrong? Did their parents not? And, and I understand that there are, are some people that, that parents may have done a great job trying to do it right, and sometimes kids don't turn out the way the parents wanted. But that's always my first question is, did this child not have any concept of right and wrong and genders when they were being raised? And and so in, in one way, it's if that's the case, if, if this 17-year-old had not heard this from parents growing up, I don't think the court should have been the one being the parent, but at least there was somebody in the kid's life saying, hey, no, there there are laws by which you have to live. And it, I, I don't want the federal courts becoming the parents in any way, shape, fashion, or form. But as I was thinking through this, you know, there, there's a few verses that came to mind. And and boy, is this so kind of out of vogue for, for where the last couple of generations generally have, have been taught to go. But w when you think about what's in, in Proverbs 29, 5, it says that a child left to himself brings his parents to shame. When you allow a child to just be raised with their own beliefs and their own thought and discover themselves and and, and there's no one to give guidance, they will bring shame on, on the family. 
And, you know, certainly people on the outside will, will maybe look at this kid or this family and say, wow, how confused and how crazy is he? But that starts with someone having left that kid to himself generally. At least that's what the scriptures indicate. And then the scripture also says that foolishness is bound in the heart of a child. Crazy thinking is bound there. But the rod of correction is what drives it far from it. And we've gone through a couple of generations where we didn't want to correct kids, didn't want to challenge them, didn't want them to, to feel bad about something. So we let them believe what they want to believe. And, and so we, we've come to this point where that everybody makes their own reality now. And you can't have that. that. That doesn't work for a nation. It doesn't work for a family, anything else. And so I saw this case really good that the court came down the way they did. They upheld the state law. The state law was really clearly based on two biological genders, which is a biblical teaching. It's not theology, but it's a biblical teaching. It's not theology in the sense of denominational theology. It's not Catholic or Baptist or Methodist or whatever. It's a Judeo-Christian standard that is pretty clear and, you know, as we're looking at this kind of stuff and people say, oh, you're, you're trying to impose theology. No, no, no. This is what the Declaration called the laws of nature and nature's God. Nature itself shows this biological difference, shows male and female. Uh, now, the scriptures also say, and God made them male and female four times in the scriptures. But this is also a biological scientific law that's out there. It's with chromosomes, you know, when they have an autopsy on people after they, they may have been dead years and you can't physically tell the structure, the DNA tells you whether it was a male or female. Maybe you can't see those physical distinctions anymore. Science, nature says that. And so I, it's just, you know, hopefully people will get some courage again. And if you've got young kids, man, don't leave those kids to themselves to be raised the way that they want to be raised. That's why God put them in your hands. You're the adult supervision Give them some guidance. Don't lead them to themselves. That says it brings the parents to shame, and eventually it will. Over a period of years, you'll regret what, what that child may have done. So use discipline. The Bible affirms it. You know, we're not talking about getting out of bounds here, but you've got to have rights and wrongs, and that's just a good thing for families to remember. And I thought this was a good case to just kind of reemphasize that. Well, and, and Dad, let me throw in, too. This is something that, I, you know, I think for a lot of people listening— they would go, oh, yeah, we totally agree, and, and our kids are good. I think a lot of parents don't realize how much garbage is infiltrating their kids' lives in their minds, and, and this is where we have to be very careful that we are on guard, uh, that, that we make the most of times. The Bible says, redeem the times knowing the days are evil. We have to make sure that we are being intentional in having these conversations. Don't assume that your kids understand basic biological reality. They understand the laws of nature and nature's God, that that creation shows the reality that there's male and female. And the Bible says it, so our, our kids surely must know it. We need to be probably more intentional than ever before about making sure we are communicating basic truths with our kids because culture is telling them the exact opposite of what is basic truth and basic reality, what is basic biology. And so if we as parents have the assumption that, well, if, I mean, that we've talked about it, right? We've read the Bible. They know these things. You might be very disappointed in the future when you see your kids begin to embrace things that do not reflect your values because there was assumptions of understanding and knowledge that our kids know this and our kids are good on this. We need to have greater levels of intentionality than ever before, understanding what culture is doing. It also goes back even to the idea uh, where the Bible tells us about the sons of Issachar, that there were leaders from the tribe of Issachar who, who understood the times and knew the best course for Israel to take. 
Well, we have to be, as parents, we have to be leaders who understand the times and understanding the times means understanding the threat, understanding the, the, the world our kids are going to have to navigate. And maybe, right, for, for, for listeners right now, maybe your kids are growing up in an environment where they don't have to deal with some of this nonsense. Well, that's great. But one day they're going to leave your home and they're going to have to know how to navigate all of this nonsense. How are we being intentional about helping make sure our kids know basic truth, basic reality, basic biology, right? Biblical foundations. We need to make sure we're being intentional with this so that we don't one day become very disappointed that our kids are embracing things that we thought they knew better than and we didn't maybe give as much attention to it as we should. So I just want to give that encouragement of make sure we are being intentional in the midst of the culture we are living in because the other side is being very intentional about the message they're promoting. So as Christians, we have to be just as intentional in how we are raising our kids. Yeah, 100%, guys. So we've got good news happening across the country. And then what you're saying, Tim, is, hey, we want to keep that good news coming. It begins in our homes. So all this good stuff coming out of out of the Supreme Court, out of uh, you know maybe the State House, not so much from the White House, but the most important good news is what's coming out of your house. So let's make sure we're doing exactly what Tim's talking about. All right, I don't think we're out of time, guys. We could get in another piece of good news or two here. Tim, what do you got? Oh, well, this one is coming from down uh, around the Houston area. Uh, there was a, a, a regional uh, playoff uh, softball game last month and uh, between two large public schools. And as it was going on, the announcer for the game told all the fans that they were no longer going to do the national anthem. And, and, and actually, the announcer said, out of respect for the individuals who were there, they were not going to do the national anthem. Out of respect, no national anthem. Yeah, no no disrespect to all who died for that flag in that way. of. I'm sorry. Anyway, go ahead. Right. So so parents began, or many of them, boisterously began asking, like, out of respect for who? Which is a good question. Who are we trying to respect by not singing the national anthem? And, and, and so there was a bit to do. Well, parents took it upon themselves. And so parents from both teams stood up and they began belting out the Star Spangled Banner, the national anthem. Well, as they do, the umpires stayed together at home plate. They took off their hats. They held their hat in their hands, crossing nice. their heart. And so they were able to go on and do this. And, and this is this is something that we are seeing more and more and more parents waking up and pushing back against the nonsense happening in culture around them. Uh, why we're seeing parents running and getting involved in school boards and, and, and paying attention to local elections. It's why we're seeing actually more and more parents even pulling their kids out of public school because the more parents are paying attention to what is being taught in public school, the more parents are becoming concerned for their children, rightfully so in so many situations. And this is, again, just another example where we are seeing people embrace wokeness and, and basic Americans, just normal people are saying, this is ridiculous. What are we doing? This is going too far. And so this is encouraging to me. This was great news to see parents standing up, singing the national anthem, and even the umpires there appreciating and standing for the anthem, taking their hats off. It, it it's something that I think we are seeing a pushback across the nation in so many regards that, that so often we see a, the drama on everyday news and we're going, man, there's so many problems, so many issues. And, and we don't always realize that there are more and more people standing up every single day all across this nation pushing back against the wokeness and the nonsense. This is just one more example. And it's really good news. Well, I'll just pile on to that, Rick, because I, I've got this same kind of story here. We talked in the last couple of weeks about what's happened to Bud Light. 
the people are pushing back on Bud Light when it decided to go crazy and and, and you know do a, a special edition of, of their beer featuring transgender. They just Bud Light has crashed since then. I, I saw at one point down 28 percent. Uh, they're actually trying to give away free beer to get people to come back. They're doing all they can. And as if that wasn't a clear enough lesson, Target decides to kind of move in that same direction, certainly not with beer, but with this product. And so June being Pride Month, Target decides, well, that's a time when we should really celebrate all this LGBTQIA+. Pride Month used to be based for homosexuality, and that includes every gender diversity out there. And so they really went in for a lot of transgender stuff and, and gender stuff. And they had transgender stuff all the way down to infant level. More than 2,000 products in the store that was really pushing, not just celebrating, but really pushing. And Target has been for a good while kind of a more liberal store with this position. Um, they, they have always leaned that way when there were boycotts going 10, 12, 15 years ago. They didn't go they didn't learn that lesson and, and, you know, they kind of stayed on the liberal side. Well, even with that, they've had decent, decent amount of business. And now they've even made the liberals who go to Target mad. Now, conservatives still go there as well, but they tend to be a more liberal kind of audience store. And as, as a result, uh, last I saw just in the last couple of weeks, uh, Target stuff has fallen 11%. And they're trying to figure out how to recover from this. So, and it's not that other stores out there aren't, aren't kind of woke as well, but at least they know enough about the clientele to know this is not where America is. Even when you think you have a little more liberal um, kind of clientele, that's not even where they are. So I see that as really good news that, that not only Bud Light, but Target and others, this is a really clear message for retailers. You need to stay within the value system that's been traditional in America for a long time regarding gender and sexuality. And so both Bud Light and Target are the most recent examples demonstrating that. Thanks for listening today, folks. You've been listening to Wobblers Live. There is more good news on our website at wobblerslive.com. That is also the place you can make that one-time or monthly contribution. That's also um, a great place for you to share the programs with your friends and family, whether it's today's or if you click on the archives, you can get shows from earlier this week or even in previous weeks. Share that with your friends and family, and then also consider signing up to be one of our Constitution coaches right there at biblicalcitizens.com. You can get access to the class, but do something in your community to help restore our Constitutional Republic. We've got lots of ways for you to do that. Check it out today at biblicalcitizens.com. Thanks so much for listening to Wallbubbers. Stand undivided